You're listening to the Stones with Crowd Radio Show with Domita White. Domita White. Domita White. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the Stones Will Cry Out podcast show. Uh, we're going to do a special segment this evening because I'm going to be the one that's being interviewed. So I'm the interviewee. So on the line right now, we have Mr. Antonio Lightfoot calling in from Edgeville, and he's going to be interviewing me. How are you, sir? How are you doing today? I'm doing uh, fantastic. I'm doing, I'm doing fantastic as well. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, okay. So uh, let's begin to you like this. Uh, I'm representing Street Consequences magazine, and we're doing a, uh, we've done an, an interview with you that'll be in our magazine, uh, October, November, uh, edition. So, uh, first question I wanted to do was ask you, what's your name and, and where you're from? Well, certainly. My name is Demita White, and I'm originally from the Bronx, New York. I'm the second oldest of, of the late Furman White of Ridgeville, South Carolina, and Albertina Flores, my mom, who is from San Antonio, Honduras. What's called from a federal prison. Okay, that's good. Your, your bio is very impressive and commendable. Uh, what moved you to get in the game and fight for these two causes, epilepsy and the prison reform? Well, thank you so much for that. Well, I became an advocate, counselor, nurse, coach, caregiver, and a warrior for my brother, Danny White, when he was handed down a 30-year life sentence with epilepsy um, at the age of 14. And he completed the terms of that sentence on the morning of July 4th, 2011. So since then, I've been advocating for others who live with this disorder. And I started the Warriors for Epilepsy um, organization in his honor. And what I do is put on events to spread awareness. So I'm also a member of the Durham Epilepsy Support Team. And I became involved in the prison ministry through a good friend of mine who is like a brother. And his name is Gilbert Dorette. And um, he used to date my sister. So... You know, I had a lot on my plate at the time, and I really didn't want to do this, uh, and I rejected it at first, but God was like, no, you're going to do this, and it took an email from a sister who was suffering with serious medical issues at Aliceville, and she was being neglected, and her children were being prevented from even communicating with her, and I couldn't sit back and not help her, so... I equate both causes, the epilepsy cause and that of the brothers and sisters behind bars because, you know, people with epilepsy, they're prisoners of their minds and their bodies. You know, society shuns them, ridicules them. They're forgotten about by their family members. You know, they're misunderstood and it can happen to anyone. And just like prisons are set up all over the world for many different reasons and, and, you know, many people are behind bars. It's the same thing with epilepsy. Um, So, yeah, that's why my heart is with both of these causes. Okay, well, to better inform our readers, please explain what epilepsy is and its causes and effects. Well, certainly. Epilepsy is a neurological disorder, and it causes an electrical and chemical imbalance in a portion of the brain, and in some cases, the entire brain. And seizures are a symptom of epilepsy, and they occur when the brain receives a mixed signal, and this causes changes in a person's sensations and how they think, how they feel, their state of consciousness. Um... I wrote a detailed book about epilepsy and it's titled, There's an Army in My Brain. And I also explained that uh, concussions, that's a big issue. That's a big topic lately, right? Especially amongst NFL players and boxers. And, you know, which this is what my brother had. He had a silent concussion in his brain for two years and it was activated. And the way I describe it is like a bear that has been hibernating and sleeping peacefully until someone steps on his tail and disturbs his sleep. And when he wakes up, Right, that bear wakes up with such a fury that everything in his path gets destroyed, and so that's how seizures act inside of a person's brain. 
Um, there are many causes for epilepsy, heart disease, diabetes, asthma, oxygen deprivation, drug use, infectious diseases, and in my brother's case, traumatic brain injury. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, bullying is tied into epilepsy. Uh, so give us a one-on-one lesson and educate us so we can understand this and recognize this in our children. Well, certainly. Um, my brother Danny, um, and his nickname was Cool Dan's because he used to be a graffiti artist and a break dancer. Uh, he was born and raised in the Bronx like, you know, my siblings and I, we all were. And he had dreams and aspirations of being an NFL player. But those dreams were crushed by a vicious attack. And, um, you know, this story, you know, it led me to understand exactly what being disobedience is and the consequences of it. So we were in a part of town that my mom told us not to go to. And for whatever reason, we chose this day not to listen to her. And we were playing amongst ourselves. We didn't bother anybody. It was five of us. And as we were making our way back home... We noticed that our then five-year-old brother wasn't with us. You know, when we turned, we looked around this group of gangsters. They had confronted him and they were threatening him. They were threatening to either take something away from him or to beat him up. These were teenagers uh, menacing a five-year-old boy. So my brother Danny, you know, he fought the head bully and and there was no competition because he beat the hell out of this guy. And as we were leaving to go back home, this coward slammed a brick to the the back of my brother's head. And because we were covering up and because we didn't want we didn't want our mother to kill us, we kept this to ourselves. But I was the one that was closest to him and he never exhibited any signs of that anything was wrong. He never complained about headaches, none of that. And he had this silent concussion in his head. Two years later, while he was playing a game of basketball in school, the back of his head hit the wall and that was when he suffered his first seizure and it was a thirty year sentence. Um and he was his death was labeled as a homicide even though the brick attack took place 30 years prior they labeled that a homicide and i tell you that thing crushed me that crushed me so much and you know i had to end up forgiving the person that started this whole thing so it wasn't the epilepsy the concussion or the brick that killed him but it was bullying and hatred so yeah i also hear that your daughter leilani uh was 15 years old and is co-founder with you in your epilepsy project. Uh, we salute her right now, as a matter of fact. What does it mean to you to have your daughter partner up with you on such a worthy cause? Well, I thank you so much for the salute and that honorable mention. <laughs> well, it means the world to me because it's in honor of my brother and her uncle. And she's an outstanding lady. She's the vice president of her school's chapter of the National Junior Honor Society. At the age of nine... Um, for a school project she wrote a book about her experiences with my brother and she won a national PTA award for it and that book is titled Epilepsy in My World and it could be found on um, Amazon.com or on my website which is www.a the number two the letter a nc.com she is the founder of her own organization which is called Youthpreneurs for Life uh, where she as well as other teens volunteer their time towards helping out in various organizations um, She's a spokesperson for other people's organizations. She's done a couple of commercials um, She's the co-founder of warriors for epilepsy and last year in celebration of national epilepsy awareness month Which is November she was interviewed by a major Raleigh, North Carolina news network um, News station actually in my stead because I had to work. I had a prior commitment So she's you know poised polished, you know during that interview and at that time she was 14 so yeah i thank god for you know for planting that seed you know in her well it, it seems like she's following in her mother's footsteps oh well thank you yeah. so let, let's turn down to uh, prison advocacy why is prison reform so important to you 
is very important to me because, you know, God had to circumcise my heart as I, you know, received this information from this sister in Aliceville. You know, she was crying out for help and it was like God was asking me, well, what if that was your daughters or your mom or you trying to reach out for help? Uh, you know, of course, I would want somebody to help me if I was in that position. So I recently interviewed a gentleman who as a 17 year old juvenile was unjustly sentenced and he's served 20 years so far and he's doing a life sentence. It's, an, it's very unconscionable that juveniles in this country grow up and grow old in prison as they serve these sentences without any rehabilitation whatsoever. So, like I said before, I can't sit back and not do my part. You know, these are my brothers and sisters behind bars. And I don't just mean because of my race. Anybody who reaches out to me, you know, that contacts me, they're automatically my brothers and sisters. And, you know, this is what God wants me to do. And when that day comes, because in his word, in Matthew, I think it's 25, it says, you know, he wants us to look out for prisoners, right? So when he asks me, D, did you do this? All I want to say is, yes, Lord. Wow, that, that, that makes me smile because uh, your spirit and your spirit and uh, you're talking right now is, is very evident. Uh, you have a, a radio show called The Stones for Crowd. That's an awesome title, by the way. Uh, tell our readers about the concept behind this platform that you created. Thank you, and thank you for your awesome words. Well, I started this podcast in July, and it's been a blessing. You know, I got the idea because almost a year ago, since almost a year ago, I've been co-hosting a radio show called The Stones. I mean, not The Stones, but The Young Entrepreneurs. The Young Entrepreneurs Kids Under Pressure radio show, where we highlight young entrepreneurs who are doing remarkable things in our community. Because society labels, especially our kids, as outcasts, as criminals. You know, they marginalize and demonize our children, and they always get a negative, you know, light in the in the media. So we need to highlight them and praise them, and that's what this radio show is about. So I got the idea. Um, to do the Stones Will Cry Out radio show, you know, after having done a prison ministry in 2013. And so I said, you know what? I want the voices of the brothers and sisters behind bars to be heard, you know, by the outside world. So I came up with the title, which is in Habakkuk 2 and 11 and also Luke 19 and 40. And in Luke, it, it talks about the story of Jesus as he was riding on a donkey and the crowd was going buku crazy over him and the disciples were rejoicing and praising God. But those hating Pharisees, they were telling Jesus to silence the crowd and Jesus responded by saying that even if these are silenced, the stones will cry out. So I nearly fell out of my seat when I heard that scripture. And it wasn't until like a year later that I was like, yo, it hit me. Let me let, let this be the title of this radio show. Wow, that, that's awesome how you made those verses. Uh, to your call. Yes. Uh, okay, give, give us some uh, some of the topics that your call is, uh, talk about and, and where they're calling from. Certainly. So some of the topics that were talked about were acquitted misconduct, which blew my mind, um, the Harrington and Wheeler case law, which was a phenomenal interview. Another topic was medical neglect that caused this young and strong and athletic brother to become visually impaired and paralyzed. So it breaks my heart how his cellmate had to contact me and I had to contact his mother who was never notified by the prison whatsoever as to what was going on with her son or his whereabouts. So I've even interviewed two brothers who were formerly incarcerated and who are now entrepreneurs and strong pillars in um, our communities out here. And I've had callers from different regions of the country and I've even interview interviewed a mother and daughter from Germany. So it's been fantastic. Yes. Wow, that's awesome how, how, uh, how technology has been able to connect you to people and, and, that, and that technology to educate others. What are some of the changes that you have understood that need to be made in our criminal justice system and prison, and prison system? Well, some of the changes that I've been made aware of 
that I feel are crucial when it comes to this criminal justice system is to stop rewarding prosecutors, law enforcement, etc., based on performance metrics that are not just. Um, they get a, they get rewarded for the number of arrests, convictions, probation violations, tickets, etc. But it's their criminal methods that are used to apply these perform metrics. I think that legislatures and prosecutors, officers, and you know, they need to hold those who practice these policies accountable and they need to create strict penalties for law enforcement against them. And they should also provide protection for whistleblowers who report these uses of abuse. Wow, it seems like you've been doing your homework. Yes. Well, to me, what, what gives you the ambition to wake up every morning with fire in your heart uh, to fight for all these causes? I can see that you have a, a champion spirit. Well, what gives me the ambition to wake up, um, you know, the moment that I wake up, I'm just grateful that I'm up, period, that I'm conscious. And I've always been a fighter, both literally and figuratively. I've always had to defend myself, whether it was due to bullying or because I've never been one to take any kind of disrespect. I didn't care who it was from. I just didn't receive it. Um, but I have a relationship with God now. So, like I said, the moment I'm conscious, I'm just thanking him for allowing me to breathe in order to see another day. Because I think of other people, they just are not going to make it throughout the day. And I just have that drive to help make somebody else's day brighter. I know what it's like, you know, not to have somebody to reach out to or to be in a house full of people and still feel like you're alone. And so, you know, people think that prison is just a physical place. It's also a mental and psychological place. And that's the worst place to be in. I know because I have been in that situation as a child. Um, I've been in that situation when I was in a, a very destructive and abusive marriage. It's not a good experience. So I don't wish this on my own enemy. And um, in all seriousness, any chance that I get to communicate with strangers on the street, I do it with all sincerity in my heart. And I leave them with words of encouragement. Um, I talked a 17 year old girl out of committing suicide, you know, um, anything that I can to impact somebody's life, you know, my two daughters, they push me and they compel me to sacrifice and to continue fighting, um, the war that is out there. Cause there, there are many wars that we're fighting out there, you know, and it was a matter of life and death for me when I gave birth to the both of them. So I know that God continues to give me life and that's why I have to keep pushing and, and I do it with his strength. That's inspirational. That's Thank inspirational. you. Oh, I don't even know where to begin. Um, I see less and less of our children in schools and more of them are in the penal system through this pipeline of prison. Um, they have school resource officers who arrest our children just for saying things that are defiant, right? And they don't just send them to the principal's office anymore. They're sending them to freaking jail. They're handcuffing our kids and, and carting them off to jail. And this was just designed to break our kids. And it's just so much. I can't even grasp my mind around it. So, like, certain areas of Raleigh, you know, there aren't community centers that are accessible where our kids can go and hang out. Um, there was an area in Raleigh where they imposed a curfew and the kids couldn't even be outside at a certain time just to play, even though I don't think they should be out all hours of the night, you know, but still. And I feel like there are people who have mismanaged their children. They have mismanaged things when it came to their children. And so now the system ends up managing their kids. So we have to educate them. It starts from the womb. It doesn't, you know, we can't rely on teachers to do that. They're there to teach. They're not there to train our kids. That's us. We need to do that because the Bible tells us to do that. Um, you know, you have teachers that don't even want to teach. They, they give the kids an assignment and tell them, oh, watch this video. You know, I had to get on this teacher who was a sister, you know, because she did not want to 
instruct my daughter on a, on a math problem and expected her to learn by watching via video. I said, no, your job is to teach. A video can't teach. Math has a lot of steps. Okay. Okay. So if she misses a step, it's like, okay, she needs to be instructed on how to solve a problem. That's what math is about. But you know, it's just an unfortunate state that our people are in today. Um, people don't have the patience to deal and, and our children get lost in these systems. And there's the never ending effects of racial profiling. You know, our kids can't even fundraise without these fools calling the cops on them, you know, acting all stupid. And, and, all, and that to me, it leads to the destructive leadership uh, that's in this country. So and, and, and talking about let's talk about the trigger happy cops. You know, they like to use this rhetoric. Oh, I fear for my life as a defense. And there are good cops out there. But unfortunately, you know, there are a whole bunch of corrupt and racist cops that make it difficult for people in the communities to even have any kind of respect for them. So, you know, there's good and bad and everything. But, you know, we have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So that's secret but it's God that's the only way that's the only um solution the only answer that I can give because after losing my brother I reached out to God that night you know I was like a reckless driver and you know I crashed and I had no choice but to reach out to him and I made a vow to him on the night of July 4th 2011 which was when we lost my brother that when I got back to North Carolina from New York I was going to serve him and serve others I didn't know how I was going to do it um, I didn't want to go to grief counseling. I didn't want to be bogged down with somebody else's grief and crying over somebody else's grief when I was dealing with my own. And so I just began volunteering my time here, there and everywhere. And um, I also discovered that I had a lot of potential that I didn't know that I had. I forgot that I knew how to write, that I had a love for writing. And, um, you know, how for whatever reason, I was nominated to do my brother's obituary and to design the program. Um, for his his going away and it was something you know it, it was just it was just amazing it was amazing how these God just orchestrated these things in my life and it was also the beginning of my speaking engagement career because I had to give the eulogy at his speech I mean at his farewell service so um you know it, it's it's I I love what I do um I never went to school to learn how to do flyers to write a, to learn how to write books uh, to be a speaker I never went to school for that um I never went to school to learn how to do interior designing or to design clothes. You know, this was all God's God-given talent. And um, when I was six, that was the beginning of my creativity because this white teacher was pissed off that I was left-handed. And she did everything she could to make me right-handed. And one day when I said I couldn't do it, she almost cracked my hand with a ruler. And at six, God gave me the wisdom not to tell my mom because I seen that crazy Honduran woman take down four women at one time. And I didn't want her to be in prison. But she said, you'll never be creative. And at six, I said, well, she didn't curse me out. She didn't call me stupid. But I said to myself, I'm going to learn what that I'm word means. So I wish I could see her now because I would, I would shake the hell out of her wrinkled white face and thank her for challenging me. So, yeah. Okay. How can people reach you and listen to your radio show and follow you? Give us some, uh, give us some of your social media handles for people. 
want to follow you and support your project? Well, certainly. Um, I can be reached at warforepilepsy at gmail.com. That's war, the number four, epilepsy at gmail.com. My website is www.a, the number two, the letter a, nc.com. And that's for Aspire to Acquire. I can be reached on, this, on soundcloud.com, uh, the stones will cry out. Or I can be reached at Twitter at SWCO underscore justice or at war W W A R the number four epilepsy. That's on Twitter. Okay. Any last comments you want to express about the importance of criminal justice and being there for those? Well, certainly, yes. Like I mentioned before, epilepsy is no respect of persons. Even dogs and cats can develop epilepsy. And it's the same for prison. But awareness is key. And that starts with educating oneself to learn about things. And I thank God for giving me a mind, you know, to think with and one that I can learn new things with every day. Sometimes I forget my name, but, you know, he continues to show me things, other things. And it's through this ministry that I've learned so much and I continue to learn every day that it's just about pushing. It's about the push. And it makes me want to be an advocate and a champion ever so more for men and women who are behind the iron bars in this country. And I get people tell me, oh, I've never met someone like you before. And I'm like, you know what? To know God is to know somebody like me. There are people out here who have the same heart and compassion. And it's not me, but it's just the God that's in me. So I love from my entire heart, not from the bottom of my heart, but my entire heart. And I'm here to assist in any way, you know, that God allows me to. And, um, you know, I just thank God for connecting me with you and connecting me with Myron and everybody else who I communicate with via core links. Like I said, you are all my brothers and sisters and I love you all so much. And we are all a reward, you know, and we are all apples in God's eyes. So, you know, um, like I said, I thank you. And my vision is for the voices to continue to be heard and not silenced. So, yes, thank you. Big ups to you. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for you giving me this opportunity to interview you. Uh, this is something that, that I would have never uh, envisioned myself doing had it not been for you. So I want to thank you for, for giving me this opportunity uh, to allow allow my voice to be heard. As you said, I am incarcerated. So uh, you're doing things uh, in a way that, that are impacting uh, people's lives who are incarcerated as well as their families. So I pray to God uh, just overflows and overwhelms you with his, his, his grace and his mercy that uh, through you a lot of other people are, are blessed as well. Oh, uh, uh, thank we you. Had, we at uh, Street Consequences uh, salute you. Uh, uh, Mrs., uh, Mrs. Norma Armstrong and, and, and Myron Armstrong, the, 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 the CEOs of Street Consequences magazine, we're excited about your interview being in our, uh, in our November and December edition of the Street Consequences magazine. Uh, I would like to take the time to, uh, to, to just tell everybody if they want to get that, that the copy of that magazine and support you. Uh, they can uh, they can book up streetconsequences.com and uh, find out how to how to purchase that edition of that magazine as well as uh, streetconsequences at yahoo.com. So thank you again for this opportunity. I thank you. I'm so honored. And I, I tell you, I'm honored to be a part of the magazine and a part of this family. And that, that edition comes out... Um, at a, at a at the right time because November is National Epilepsy Awareness Month. So I really appreciate you and I thank God for you, Antonio. Thank you so much. Thank you. You, you have a blessed one. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was part two and the conclusion of um, Mr. Antonio Lifeless interview with me and I just feel so honored and, um, you know, we will now break for a commercial.
child, but who is it these days? I'm the CEO of Youth Entrepreneurs for Life, the co-founder of Warriors for Epilepsy, an author, and a spokesperson. My mom says I talk a lot, but I have the gift of gab. Oh well, works for me. So if you're looking into inspiring you or a spokesperson for your event or organization, look no further and book me. Aspire to acquire and strive to succeed to be the best you you can be. The voices of men, women, and children behind bars will not be silenced. Calling all teens, tweens, and preteens. Do you have dreams and aspirations of owning your own business? Then look no further. Our Youthpreneurs for Life guide to financial literacy and small business planning is the ultimate tool for you. Start by claiming your status by rocking a young boss, business-oriented and self-sufficient, or a CEO, chasing excellent opportunities t-shirt. You can also rock our signature wild square woman of wisdom, woman of the world t-shirts. Do you love writing? We can also bring your story to life by helping you to become an author. All of these products, services, and more can be purchased on our website at www.a2anc.com. Aspire to acquire, strive, soar, and succeed. We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being, to be given the rights of a human being, in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence by any means necessary. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast show. We will now begin our new segment titled Stories from Behind the Still. This story today is going to be from Mr. Wassam Tasir Hamou. So here it goes. Assistant United States Attorney and the FBI vindictively conspired by fabricating documents to tie a man with mental health history from a closed head injury as a result of an auto accident to international terrorist groups. Wassam Hamoud was coerced to plead guilty by his lawyer to four gun-related charges to include retaliation against a witness in a previous federal case in which the court departed downward 10 levels for diminished mental capacity and was placed on probation and home confinement. While on probation, agents wasted no time to send many informants to involve Mr. Hamoud in illegal gun transactions. Mr. Hamoud did not get involved, but his mental health deteriorated as a result of fear, depression, paranoia, etc. He started to abuse his medications and was hospitalized several times. Finally, the government sent a family member who was an informant from Detroit, Michigan, to egg Mr. Hamoud on against the agents in which Mr. Hamoud began making threats wanting to harm him. Hamoud received 258 months in federal prison. Upon his arrival at the prison, Mr. Hamoud was placed on high security with constant monitoring, and when he inquired as to the reason why, he was told that he was an international terrorist, and the only way that he could remove it was to contact the Assistant United States Attorney General in Tampa, Florida, who placed it on him. 
He filed an FOIA with both the AUSA and the FBI in Tampa, Florida, and found out that the assistant United States attorney, Jay Hoffer, had listed that nature of his offense as international terrorism and among many other fabrications that the FBI agent Thomas Borhard had Mr. Amu listed as a licensed airplane pilot from Europe and, had, and who had many weapons and explosives at his home. Also, both the assistant United States attorney and the FBI in Tampa, Florida had given the media false information alleging Mr. Hamoud's involvement with international terrorist groups which were publicized and placed on the internet. Mr. Hamoud has been profiled and abused by the Bureau of Prison staff as well as a result of these fabrications. He has been at 13 institutions in almost 13 years and has spent almost 1,100 days in a special housing unit known as the SHU. The majority of BOP staff has served in the military and assumed that Mr. Hamoud is a terrorist who was involved in the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Mr. Hamoud has notified and asked the court on several occasions to correct these documents in order to stop the ongoing abuse, but the courts continue to deny his request. All documents can be viewed at Wassam Tarsir Hamoud, that is spelled W-I-S-S-A-M like Mary. Tarsir is spelled as T-A-Y-S-I-R and Hamoud is H-H-A-M-M-O-U-D on his Facebook page, Mr. Hamoud. His family needs the public assistance to help him get justice and to stop all of this ongoing abuse. Thank you so much for tuning in to this powerful segment of The Stones Will Cry Out, The Stories Behind the Steel, and we will now break for a commercial. The voices of men, women, and children behind bars will not be silenced. Thank you for listening to Domita White on the Stones Will Cry Out radio show. Be sure to exercise your freedom from the Iron Beast and tune in next time. Follow us on social networking and at xenolive.com slash the Stones Will Cry Out. The Stones Will Cry Out. Xenolive.com. Freedom from the abyss of the Iron Beast.